0: All right, if you've got a bulletin, we have, uh, you have some notes on the back if you care to follow along. If not, uh, it's all right. Still keep your bulletin just the same and uh, check those, uh, check those things out that that are online. We uh, have our notes, have our sermons, have lots of things available there online. Where we started a couple of weeks ago talking about the kingdom of heaven our place and our rule in our lives jesus's application while he was here we've been doing this in the small groups and hope that uh that you're engaged in that at some level the uh we started um a book called kingdom come we'll be doing that again this week there's very small books almost booklets and um talking about what does it mean that the kingdom has come i Sent out a bunch of questions and discussion topics and things for small groups. Uh, the group that we're a part of on Tuesday, I don't think we got past the third one. But just began to involve, in, engaged in a, in a wonderful conversation about what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus kept making that declaration, and the the Jews. We'll talk about that for a, a minute today, but they had a real preset. They they knew they thought they knew what it meant. When Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is here, kingdom of heaven has come, you know Kingdom, kingdom of heaven has come nigh you and, and then he would, he would compare it, something would have happened Someone had you know, had their demon cast out or they had been healed and then Jesus would use this kingdom language Which they were not completely um, They were not completely familiar with in the context that Jesus was using it but he kept he kept right on for the three and a half years this was still the message that he gave and uh the message that he left even if you read in in acts uh the first couple of chapters of acts where jesus has died has risen from the dead and he's spending time he keeps popping up he appears to his disciples and if you read in acts one it tells us what the message was that jesus gave his disciples here he was in this brief interim time before he was to go and be with his father and he was sending the, the, uh, uh, the vehicle, the the, the means of, of having and keeping the kingdom of heaven. The presence of the Holy Spirit was coming in a few days and Jesus was teaching them and it, it says in there that he taught them all things about the kingdom, says so in Acts 1. And so that was his message of more than even that the Holy Spirit's going to fall was that when he falls, the kingdom is with him. And so we've been moving along in that is what that means, what that means to us as a church, as a vineyard, and our connection there. So I, I want to read, first of all, um, in Matthew 4 and uh, 23. This is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry as, as Luke reports it. And um, so it says... He went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went out throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. This is a pretty dazzling couple of verses here, uh, as Jesus is introducing this, this brand new presence, this, this concept of God being with his people, and then what it starts to look like. It's got this radical turn. Now, now, this is not normal. This is not normal for Israel. Israel has had a relationship with God, and they were used to God showing up. And I have a a little clip here about God showing up, but keep in mind, this is kind of Israel's take on who God is. Can we play that clip? I, I think everybody knows this movie and I don't need much of a setup here. this god of yours. It's funny Lieutenant Dan said that, because right then, God showed up. Lieutenant Dan, he was mad. Today, destroying nearly everything in its path and as in other towns up and down the coast Biola battery's entire shrimping industry has fallen victim to Carmen and has been left in utter ruin speaking with local officials this reporter has learned in fact only one shrimping boat actually survived the storm Louise Louise that's forced. after that shrimping was easy <laughs> Since people still needed them shrimps for shrimp cocktails and barbecues and all. We were the only boat left standing. Bubba Gump shrimp's what they got. We got a whole bunch of boats. Twelve Jennies. Big old warehouse. We even have hats. Let's say Bubba Gump on them. Bubba Gump Shrimp. It's a household name. See. When God showed up he became a household name everybody heard when God pulled Israel out of Egypt people all over the Mideast knew about it the word spread by the time Israel and it took them 40 years by the time they got up into Canaan the memories of Egypt were still lingering with the Canaanites and they were afraid See they were used to God showing up. They were used to an authentic God. This was a real God. The God of, of uh, I was rereading the story of Jonah. We we're on our notes now there, Clay. Um, I was reading, rereading the story of Jonah here recently and you remember that when God speaks to him and tells him to go to Assyria? He's supposed to go speak to the enemy and tell them you better repent because God's about to blow you out of the water and the memory of, of what God can do when he shows up. People weren't all that afraid when a God got out of his territory. There was this feeling that all gods sort of had a territory and once you left them, that God became impotent. And so you remember what Jonah did when he got the word to go to Nineveh? He left Israel. Why did he leave Israel? Why did he think he could get away from God? Because he thought that God was territorial. He thought he only covered that area of Canaan. He thought that was the only place he would be effective. And he got swallowed by a whale for all of his trouble. See, this was sort of the mentality. Instead of this authentic God who is in control everywhere, that when he shows up, things begin to change. Now, this is what Israel knows about God. Only, how many of you know they hadn't seen him in a while? All right? So we have this authentic God. Jesus starts bringing... He, Jesus shows up on the scene. Now, now the, the stage is set. Rome is all over. There's also Herod, this sort of a pretender to the, to the throne of Israel that's been propped up by Rome and he's a vicious man and then Rome backs his, his action, and they're everywhere. They take money. They take whatever. And, and so Israel, it, again, in the crossroads and in the crosshairs, are, are needing God to show up. Everybody understand? They have these stories. They have the stories of Jonah. They have the stories of the children of Israel. They have the stories of, of Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. Those, those stories are their stories, their, their heritage, their, their history. And they're wanting to see God come again. Not just a territorial God. They need authentic God. How many of you would believe with me that we are in a a time when we need authentic God? We we need at this moment in time to see something that's not just political, something that's not just conservative, something that's not just liberal, something that can't just be defined and captured in a territory and then say this is the God that we define, he will operate in here. We need God, like with Forrest, God to show up. Everyone needs God to show up. So God had always taken action on people, on people's behalf. This, was, this is what he'd always done in the past. So we're, we're there again. God showed himself powerful on Israel's behalf by vanquishing uh, their enemies, by unleashing and stopping rain, by fire and smoke. He knocked down walls, he dammed up rivers, he parted lakes and seas, he vanquished giants and made the earth shake. When they needed to know that God was in the house, he showed up and he made a scene. This is Israel's history. They know all this. In fact, when he didn't show up, Israel began to find, when well, they needed him, found themselves in dire straits, found themselves again in, in uh, the... They needed his presence. His presence was indispensable. And God did not show up. It was a sure sign that he was probably very unhappy with them. And so this is, this is where they are. So prayer is always a sign of, of, of power. Excuse me. Power was always a sign or a signal of God's commitment to Israel. That's how he revealed himself again and again. And the power was most often released against Israel's enemies. See, here's what Israel thought. God was like. See, they saw God as a hammer. God that would come and would pound the enemy into the ground when he would arrive. And so they would get to these points of of exasperation and out to their limits. And then the, the God of the covenant would show up and he would pull out his hammer. And he'd go to work on the enemies. And so they had this idea of, of who God was. And this was kind of it. See, but, see, God was again taking action on people's behalf. But only a few of them recognized it when it arrived. Jesus comes on the scene. Now they have a promise. Israel has a promise. And they have connected the hammer now to the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to pull out the hammer of God and he's going to vanquish our enemies. He's going to pound them into the ground and we will again be in ascendancy. We will again come to the height of the nations and, and be recognized for who we are, the God, God's covenant people. This is is their expectation for the Messiah. But then Jesus shows up, and he starts making Messiah's noise. He starts quoting Messiah's scriptures on his own behalf. He starts saying things like, The kingdom of heaven is come near to you. So they immediately start shifting all their presets. Oh, man, is is this him? Is, Is the hammer showing up? But instead, Jesus starts showing up, and he starts looking like this. See, he just walks out. It's very simple, with a very simple message. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. And as he's talking about this kingdom that's coming where God will again take take grip, he'll show up, where God will show up on the scene. They're expecting, you know, Forrest Gump. And instead, people individuals start coming to him and they've got demonic issues. So he takes out his knife and says, let me take care of that. Someone comes and they need healing. They've got leprosy. And he goes, oh, let me, let me, i got something in my kit for that. And he starts fixing it. And then there, there's that woman. You know, I, I was reading a story a couple of days ago of the woman that was caught in adultery. Wonderful story. A whole sermon there just starts bubbling up about her and Jesus' interaction with with her. But here's this woman and she needs mercy. Jesus is being asked to judge her as she's already been judged correctly by the law. And Jesus in essence steps himself into between her and the law and the Pharisees and he says let him without without sin cast the first stone. How many of you know there's only one person qualified in that crowd to throw a stone? Only one. And he chose not to judge her. He didn't let her off the hook. And he didn't dismiss the judgment. He just said, go and sin no more. Stop it. You're ruining your life. It's, it's a wonderful story. Jesus pulls another thing out of his out of his kit, and he opens it up, and he says, "This woman needs mercy." The woman at the well needed a word of knowledge. She needed insight into the questions of her life and the and the and the free the moral freefall that she was in. And Jesus pulls it out, and says, "This one's for you. This one's for you." And Israel's expecting. Where's the hammer? How many of you know if you drive driving a nail, a hammer comes in handy? But how many of you know if you want to do delicate surgery, a hammer is not welcome? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a tool, and it's, it's a God tool, and the tool's still around. But Jesus came and he said, You misunderstand everything. The kingdom of God is is here and it looks like this. Oh wait a minute, it looks like this. Oh wait a minute, it looks like this. What is your need? He's got something for you. And the kingdom of God just begins to spread. And some people are scratching their head because they're waiting for the hammer, but instead they're getting the Swiss Army knife. And they're so grateful because they knew they deserved the hammer but instead, they got mercy. All right. Jesus' ministry was multifaceted, uh, had multifaceted tools to address every human need. Jesus declared and he acted. He acted and he declared. That's how the kingdom gets revealed. How did Jesus do this? It was really very cool. He had a message. And the message was, the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he would pull out a tool and he would begin to show what it looked like when the kingdom was on stage. Sometimes he pulled out the tools first and he did something and then he would say, oh, by the way, that's what the kingdom looks like. And there quickly, you know, shuffling through their Torahs, trying to find this different picture of a Messiah. The the message of healing is there. The message of mercy is there. The message of inclusion is there. The The message of release from the darkness and demonic, that all those messages were there, but they didn't see them because they thought what they needed was the hammer. And instead, they get what they really need. See, Jesus would declare, and then he would act. Or he would act, and then he would declare. The two things went hand in hand. See, here's the deal. We have this invitation to live in the same multifaceted kingdom. This is the kingdom we've been asked to join. Jesus was modeling it because it was going to be the model for all time. We have forgotten that. We have laid it down. How many of you know that a lot of times we even as churches become one-trick ponies? We get a screwdriver. We find out it works. And so we holler and we holler and brag about our screwdriver. And, and there are those who need a hammer. There are those who need a scalpel. There are those who need some calibration, who need a little wrench in their life, who need, need a, just need a washer to hold them tight, you know, and... and and the kingdom of heaven's got all of that in it, but when we only have one tool, we don't, we don't do our job with one tool. I did, um, I used to work. Uh, <laughs> I guess I could stop right there <laughs> for a living. <laughs> you know? um, I, I used to work as a, as a carpenter way back when. I still have my framing hammer. And... Um, I wasn't great at it, but I really enjoyed it. It was really wonderful at the end of the day. When you look back and you see a wall that wasn't there in the morning and you say, I built that. I don't always have that pleasure now going back. Let's see, I think I did something today. I think I built something. It's a different kind of a life. But, but in my bag, is that the, the more I did this, the more I found out I needed And so I start adding to my tools. So I still have a whole, I've got a belt. I always like that. Especially when the hammer was hanging and it felt, you know, a little like John Wayne when you walk. Made made you walk like John Wayne. And and all those other things so that I could do my job and do it the best my ability. It's not good when you're borrowing tools from the foreman. You know what I mean? You start adding. And this was the idea. We've been invited into this world to start adding the tools of the ministry of the kingdom that is still very, very much alive. This same authentic God that used to show up for Israel and then showed up and was authentic again with Jesus, this same God shows up for those who have begun to follow him with all of their hearts. The multifaceted ministry of the kingdom. Authentic God creates authentic followers. This is what he intends to do. We maintain confidence because we live in the kingdom of heaven. It's ours. We live in it. We serve an authentic God. We reflect him when we live in his kingdom. And so when we speak and when we act, God is brought closer. He's brought into the circumstances we step into a situation he's with us the kingdom is with us there's there's something there's something already residing with me and with us that can affect the moment at hand it's there with this multi-layered approach see people really start to get free and they don't just get free in here they start getting free out there like Jesus the message should lead us to an action and an action should have a message. Let me say it another way. We keep in stock what we advertise, but we advertise what we keep in stock. It's all right. Um, We were um, in uh, the national meeting Two years ago, our national meeting, in fact, that information is in your bulletin. Our national meeting is on the West Coast this year. It would be nice to take a pile of people with us. In fact, I'm really excited about this particular meeting. But the last, the last one was in Phoenix, and um, Diane Lehman from Champlain, Illinois, spoke one afternoon. And she talked about compressing our, our message, the, the kingdom message, to seven words. She said, how can I pray for you now? In other words, wherever I am, I have with me the toolkit of the kingdom of heaven. And so that at any situation into which I find myself, I step into, I'm carrying this with me. Now, now part of the problem is that a lot of times I'm unaware of the toolbox, or I maybe even don't care about the toolbox, and that's a problem. The other one is learning how to use the tools in the box. How to use them, how to have some confidence with them. You, you, you look at it for the first time, uh, strange, a strange tool, there's a strange need, and I only know how to work the hammer. You, you know, you're thrown into a moment, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that we have a God who is quite capable of, of meeting your need and their need at that moment. How do I pray for you now? That's a good question. Someone in pain, someone that you bump into, a neighbor, a friend. How can I pray for you now with the expectancy that I live in this kingdom and the kingdom is now and it's here. I don't have to call for it to try to get it to arrive, to appear. It's already here. I can speak into this moment, into this situation with a confidence, the same confidence that Jesus had and the early church had because they knew He's here he is here all right we're exercising a superior kingdom this is just a fact from the beginning of his ministry jesus began to exert the superiority of the arriving kingdom his kingdom was superior to every other thing it was superior to the world's systems it was superior to the powers of darkness and their, and their systems of control. It was superior to religious systems, even the one God himself had previously set up. You hearing me? It was superior. It was superior to the laws of nature. In all ways, the Messiah proved supremacy over every other entity and power, both human and angelic, in this age and in the age to come. Once it was in place, the kingdom of heaven had the authority and preeminence over every other thing. You want me to read that paragraph again? Did you get it? See, what Jesus did, and he did it I, this morning in my, in my, uh, in my reading, I'm, I'm reading in, how many of you are reading in Luke? All right, all right. I, was, I, I recommended that as we start Lent that you read a chapter a day of Luke because that's the, that is the book for Lent is, is, uh, is Luke. And you should be on chapter 5. But I was reading uh, the, the encounter of Jesus in, in chapter 3 of the encounter of Jesus with um, the devil. Led into the wilderness... And for 40 days of fasting and he confronts the devil in there. And just looking again at the three temptations at least that are listed, whatever else there may have been, those are the three that we have. And seeing how the devil is using what he's always used to manipulate whatever's come and been a threat to his presence or his authority. And Jesus meets every one of them, not in, in insecurity, but he meets them with the confidence of the word of God that stands forever, and it does not move. And he stands there knowing who he is. And it's interesting that the second one was the enemy who recognized a certain amount of authority in the systems of this earth. And so he, he offers to trade Jesus, his authority, if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. And Jesus then makes the, the, the whole issue of authority over the, kingdom, uh, over the kingdoms of the world, he makes it an issue of worship. He quotes a worship scripture back at the devil. He doesn't argue authority. He just says, the, the Lord, is, our God is the one we worship and him alone. And, and what was going on there? This was Jesus letting the devil know my kingdom is superior to yours. Give it your best shot, big guy. But when the dust settles, this system will stand and yours will be a past model. It will be gone, its destruction negated. It. And we have something now that is superior. And everything Jesus did from that point on was proving the superiority of the kingdom of God. But it also, this power, how, how Israel began to see, see uh, their God as a, as a God of power, that this hammer thing, was a power deal. Well, the power gets personal. See, it always been sort of a national security thing, but Jesus begins using it for personal security. He casts out my personal demons. He he heals my personal diseases. It starts to become very personal. Jesus came, introduced himself as Messiah, proclaimed proclaimed the arrival of the kingdom. That power was evident. Only this time it was much more personal. Power is always an important element in the kingdom's presence. Does everybody hear me? It's not about how much you know, but how well what you know starts getting applied to real needs power has always been an element in, in everything that um, that Jesus did and that has come since then. Let's, let's read that scripture in 1 John 3.8. This is John's take on it late, uh, later as he's looking back. This is John the Beloved, the, the disciple who's writing this. He says, he who sins is of the devil for the the devil has sinned from the beginning. This is that, that other kingdom that's at work. But he says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Do what to them? Shove them aside. Cover them up. Offer another opportunity, another, another choice. That kingdom of darkness is you know, I mean, it's really appealing, but my gosh, it really is expensive. Let me offer you my kingdom instead. Is that what it's saying? It's saying, listen, you will not stand in light of this. This thing is going, is going to disappear. i come to destroy this kingdom. I've come to turn it into chaos. I've come to break it apart. That any time the kingdom of God is brought in to a situation where the devil has played and where he's had control, that at that moment when the kingdom of heaven begins to break in, another kind of miracle begins to work. And you see Jesus opening up a blade in his, in his knife and saying, we're going to fix this. Yesterday in the men's, in the men's breakfast, we had a wonderful um time and Tim gave his testimony but what his testimony what his story was is exactly what I'm talking about wasn't it Tim of how when the kingdom of heaven comes and breaks through that the other kingdom that had had such a grip on him and had been he'd been successful even to a to a large degree in this kingdom of of darkness that the light began to break through and the light was superior this kingdom is superior to that one wouldn't you say amen Tim And his life and your life and my life are absolute proof of the superiority of this kingdom. The power has gotten personal. If you read the book of Mark, um, it it tells this story. It's just a wonderful way of seeing the story because Mark just hits the ground running. He just sort of jumps out of the chair. And from the very beginning, he starts, he starts telling the stories, Jesus casting out the demon. The very first thing he reports is Jesus casting a demon, uh, a, a specific miracle anyway, casting a demon out of a guy in, in the synagogue. You know, if, if you don't think that the devil doesn't go to church now and then. Uh, he's just keeping tabs, but he does. And this is where, where Jesus has his first encounter. And then he goes from there and he heals Peter's mother-in-law and then there's a whole series of, of things that Mark reports it's like he can't hardly wait to get the story out because he's just saying it doesn't matter where you're living because Jesus has got something that's better than that I got one of these I got one of these I got one of those I got one of these see um, John five thirty-six. this is what Jesus was saying about this ministry, He says, I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish the very works that I do bear witness to me that the Father has sent me. What happens when, when both the message gets pre- preached and the power begins to get released into people's lives? What begins to happen to those people that are the beneficiaries of that? They begin to understand that in fact the Father has sent you. They start dealing in, a, in a, a territory, in an area where they have not really had experience, and maybe even their Christian experience has not taught them that you don't have to live under the iron fist of this, but that you can learn to be set free. This is, this is really you know, where we're pressing and where, where we're headed in this next couple of months. And then on beyond that, as we start pulling the tools out of our. We, we, I want everybody in this church to have a Swiss Army knife. I just want you to have one. They're like a lot easier to carry around in your pocket than a hammer, too. See, the works are attached to the kingdom. As we declare, he shows up. As he shows up, we declare. See, it's his presence. We have nothing to lose. Kingdom's ministry is not one size fits all, but it is multi-dimensional. That's our next note. It's multi-dimensional. Why is the kingdom of heaven multi-dimensional? Because human need is so multi-dimensional. Does He care about your past wounding? Does he care about your abandonment issues? Does he care about your addiction, past, present, and future? Does he care about your body and, and, if, and the physical condition? Does he, does he have concern for you because of some family issue see all of this that begins to mushroom that we think somehow is outside of all of this this is in fact the application of the kingdom of heaven the problem just happens to be that a lot of times we have no idea how to make application to the need i'm just here to tell you the kingdom of heaven is multidimensional because your needs are multidimensional. starts with your salvation starts with that reality See, the hammer. There it is again. See, this is one of those things that come to understand, and, and um, that, like I said, the hammer. In fact, I, I brought a whole bag of hammers, as in dumb as a <laughs> bag of hammers. <laughs> These are, yeah, my, my Smith's bags, but uh, I should have, But but you know even hammers when when the time comes for the hammer does everyone understand that sometimes every not not every hammer works for the same job I I have a hammer here that was my father-in-law's it's just it's like embarrassing it's like you need to use it with an extended pinky. This was my father-in-law. But, but the reason my father-in-law had this was that he was in furniture business and floor coverings and, 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 and sold uh, uh, window coverings and all that kind of stuff. And this hammer was the one he used to tack down the, scr- the strip because a big hammer would shatter the strip or, or bang those little, how many of you stepped on those in the dark through your carpet? You know, the thing that the, you put it on. This was his hammer. This this is a different hammer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even a hammer, sometimes you need a different hammer. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be so sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing and so sensitive to the people that he draws your attention to that you know which tool to start pulling out of your belt? Maybe even if it's a hammer you need, which hammer to use? There are a few people who need one of these. And there's a lot of people who need one of these. Just tack, tack, tack. And I've got this one, my rubber mallet. We used to joke about this one when my son wouldn't go to sleep at night. It it doesn't leave skid marks. Um, This is for a whole nother deal. You don't want to drive a nail with this. It's got a whole nother purpose, but if you've got a hubcap comes off, this thing works pretty well. You know what I mean? And I got another hammer and I got I didn't I, I didn't go out and dig my my framing hammer out you, you, you understand what I'm saying see this is the kingdom of heaven it's not that I just run out and start doing this stuff but that I start considering I, I just read a great book second time I ever read it uh, and um, it, it's a book called The Man Who Listens to Horses anybody ever read the book it's about a, a guy who was raised his father was a horse trainer and he hated the way his father trained horses because the, the thought was, you break the animal. You break the horse's will, and then the horse will do what you want. As a young boy, he began to realize that, that horses responded differently. And he came, he, he was from California, from the Salinas area. And he would come over in the summers, and they would capture these wild horses to take back. Uh, this is like in the 40s, you know, to take wild horses back for the rodeos in, in California and, and even made a business out of it. And, but he would come and he loved the horses, and, and so he would come early before he had to capture some of them, and we watched it, and he realized that the horses were communicating with each other. And that, that in captivity, the horses make a lot more noise than they make, than they make in the wild. You hear that whinny sound that, you know, when the horse does that thing and the wild horses on the TV. And they don't do a whole lot of that. They don't whinny a lot. But they communicate with their bodies. And he watched this old mare begin to discipline this young stallion. Starting to feel his oats and acting improperly and she began to move him out of the herd and invite him in and then move him out and the whole thing as he watched this totally fascinated he began to realize he was understanding the language of the horses and so he started using the same body language when he would try to break horses and and now he's, he's perfected this to the point where he can be on a wild horse's back in 30 minutes and the horse doing because the horse is is bread for this and i don't have to break him to do it and there's a whole backstory about him and his dad and his dad never coming around but it's, it's this wonderful book but the book the book is about kindness the book is about human beings it's about looking into somebody else's world figuring out what they need learning then to bring the tool that that applies into their lives so that we become like this Could we do our Let's get our other slide back one more time. This is what you have coming. See, I have, I have, a, I have several uh, Swiss Army knives. I've got one that I carry in my pocket all the time, this little bitty one that I can even pick my teeth with this, but I won't, you know, I won't do that for you. Uh, but it's got several blades. I carry that with that. I've got a, this one is really a cool one. When my son graduated from high school, we asked him what he wanted, and he said, I want to go to Europe. <laughs> and so he and a couple of buddies, we told him we have to know, these guys and we have to trust them but you can go and he went and went to Switzerland and as it turned out he was there at the 100th anniversary of the, uh, of the company that makes the Swiss Army knives and so he bought this one it's never been used but it, it's one it has got my name on it he had my name put on it and it's got it's got 1897 to 1997 on the outside there's only a few of these made and he brought it back this was his gift and it was a great gift but i I pulled it out this morning because I want you to understand this is much more your life than this. The kingdom of heaven is near you. In fact Jesus goes a little farther and he says the kingdom of heaven is in you. And it's not just in you for recreational sake. It's not in you to just make you feel better about yourself and every now and then to have God do something that lets me know I'm still his favorite. You know, that that he loves me and that's all I need. No, what he wants is that the kingdom of heaven becomes something in your pocket that's useful for somebody else. This thing has never been in my pocket before. So that when I I walk into the moment and understand the kingdom of heaven is with me, understand that he's broken the power of darkness, that I understand that he's taken authority over illness, that I understand that he's brought brought a a direction to, to confusion, that I'm able to pull out of my pocket something and say, i got one of those. I've got one of those. And the kingdom of heaven is like this. Does everyone understand? Back in its case. Your life and my life have got a definite stamp on them. And it's an ownership of Jesus. He's the one who gets to tell you how you spend what he's invested in you. He's given it, he's put it in your life, and he said, now let's do it. Now the truth is that sometimes people will have a tool that they use a lot more often. It'd be their favorite tool, they're the best at it, and I'm telling you, that's a valuable thing. But we've been telling the church for a long time, you get one gift, here's your hammer. A gift of the Holy Spirit. You get your gift and here it is. This is your hammer. No, the gift is the, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not the gift of Tom. And so what he puts in my life is it looks a lot more like this than the, it does that. And I want to have some familiarity with what he's given me. Because if I do, somebody's life might get better because I'm on the scene. I want the worship team to come back, if they will, as we draw this to a close. I want us this morning to, it, it would, this would be a really good time to take stock of, of where I am and where I'm going and what God is, is brought me to this, this time. Do I think God is territorial? He just operates here inside these walls, and if I get out of here, I, you know, if I, I when I go home, I don't have to. I don't have to wrestle. I go to work. I don't have to wrestle with it. No, you're had. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you, and He intends. He intends to equip you. This multifaceted God. This multifaceted kingdom he intends to outfit me so that I become this multi-faceted follower of Jesus the needs are huge but, but could everyone just agree with me so is the provision so is the preparation so is the delivery so let's let's stand and let's worship together here for a few more moments well, let's do a little business with our own future shall we let's just find out who we are are you really happy with the one tool you got in your bag or you think maybe there's a little more here for you there's a little more I believe the day is soon on us when everybody will sort of do the Forrest Gump thing when there'll be a report on a daily basis on a weekly basis of just us saying right then God showed up I was in a conversation and God showed up had an opportunity and at that moment I prayed and God showed up I saw someone in pain I saw someone in need those that are have started going over to Bailey charter school you know that, that are starting it's just it's on a bended knee helping a kid the, a child that maybe has no positive role model adult role model and you've just became that you understand a tool's just been pulled out of your belt that's going to make a lasting difference where you feed the homeless guy and you whatever you know the story right then God showed up right then God showed up I want to pray and then I want to I want you to sit down for a moment if you would you just continue right where you're at the moment Remember that we do what we do because He first loved us. And I love Him. I can only love Him in return. I, I, can't, I can't come up. There's no well of love that is of my own generation that, I, that I've created. I can only love Him back. And so when I say I love you, I love you, I love you, I, I realize I'm already indebted. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I, I've, I've made up. I'm pulling out of a well, He Himself deposited in me. My ability to love Him, He gave it to me. And so, as we say that, let's say it with this intent I love you. And what that means is, Lord, I am yours. You know, forgive me for my hammer approach, Lord, in a Swiss knife world. And Lord, let me become part of the brigade that starts learning what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven. It's got so many facets, so many parts. Some things on the spot. Sometimes I have to do it over a long period of time, but I keep doing it. I keep, I keep praying. I keep, I keep uh, discipling. I, I keep praying, you know. And God, right then, God shows up. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Lord, the the heritage of the kingdom of heaven has been lost sometimes to generations but Lord I see you giving it back to this one the sense of you being in the moment of being immediate where I can where I can actually say how can I pray for you now with the expectation that the kingdom of heaven is here and the Lord I don't have to I don't have to have wild training and a whole lot of experience in order to see you move all's I have to do is move and you show up. Lord lock that in our hearts will you? Will you help us and remind us Lord that the kingdom of heaven is a big place we are just one little spot but Lord help us do our spot. Help us hold that ground Lord and begin taking this world back with a superior kingdom with a superior word with a superior authority with a superior power. We thank you, Lord, for what you have said and what you have done. And we bless you, Lord. We bless you out of the bottom of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you please be seated?